0: amen we have a unique system here in our church with two services we have one service at 8 30 and then we have the sunday school classes sunday school following at 10 and then we have the morning second morning service following that praise the lord so some of you are in the morning early morning and you stay for sunday school some of you come for the sunday school and stay for the second service amen praise the lord god bless you we're happy for all of you that are with us here today and this is our adult Sunday school class at this time. We also have all of our other Sunday school classes going, young people, young married people, children of different ages and groups and so forth. And uh, this is our adult class. And we're glad for all of you that are with us here this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with us to chapter seven and buckle your seat belts. Amen, everybody. All right, I think you know what I mean when I say that. We got some interesting things to talk about. This is an interesting chapter, very unique chapter that we're going to be looking at here this morning. And uh, it's a chapter that deals with marriage and divorce. I'm not going to teach on marriage and divorce. I'm just going to teach what the Word has has to say about it. And uh, I'm not a pastor. And as I said last week, we're getting into pastoral things. And uh, the reason that I want to uh, sp- speak on it is because it is in line with all the other things. Last week, we talked about immorality in the sixth chapter. We we're following the book of First Corinthians chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. And last week, we were in chapter 6. We talked about immoralities, and we spoke about different kinds, different, different uh, things, and so forth. And God's word about it, how God looks at it and views it. We do not just use the scriptures that are found in that particular chapter. We refer to other scriptures that give support to the scriptures. The amazing thing about the word of God is that just about everything that's stated in the Bible is stated the same thing somewhere else. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. First, I think it's Second Corinthians 13, 1, 13, 1, yes. And it says, there's a mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. That's taken from the Old Testament. The Lord would never allow anyone to be judged or ever brought to trial unless there's more than one witness. It had to be two or three witnesses on everything. And so it's the same thing with his word. He does not just state something. Uh, For instance, the Bible talks about the children of Israel going through the Red Sea. Uh, That's stated once, and if you read the Bible a little bit further down in that same chapter to talk about it again. If you read about it a little bit further in the next chapter, it'll talk about it all over again. If you read it over in the book of Psalms, it'll talk about it again. So that you know that that was not just one little statement that was made or a thing that it said. And who knows if it was real or not. But the word of God substantiates it with more than one scripture. So that's why I refer to other verses of scripture. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with us First Corinthians chapter 7. Look at the first verse and I see here again that this is the uh, chapter on marriage and divorce, also on uh, single people. Paul uh, makes a statement here, and uh, he says that it is, his, it is his opinion, and he makes a distinction between opinion and commandment. He's sometimes, sometimes about three times he says it this way. He said, this is a commandment, and he says, and then this was an opinion. Or this is a, uh, I have a permission to speak this. Now, when he says, I have a commandment, that means that he has reference in the Old Testament that supports what he's saying. So, it is a commandment that comes out of the Old Testament from the scriptures. Then when he says that I, I speak this by permission, it means there is no Old Testament scriptures that support what he is saying. But that he speaks it with permission, having prayed about it. And God has given him the answer, and he speaks it in that wise. Sometimes that, that, is, that is by commandment is also by the teachings of Jesus Christ, either by Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry or by uh, the Old Testament commandment. So that is found about three times in the seventh chapter when he says, uh, this I speak by permission, this I speak by commandment. Because Paul deals with everyday life situations here. And uh, he tries to help the church, the early church at that time, the Corinthian church to deal with these little individual situations and problems they may have in their local assembly. So if you look with us in chapter seven, verse one, now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man. All right. Is it lightning outside or what? (laughs) It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, verse 2, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and every woman have her own husband. So as far as Paul was concerned, and later on, and I'll give you a scripture for it, he refers to the times in which they were living with very troubling times, difficult times, very versatile times. It was a time, and in fact, you can read about it in the 19th chapter of the book of uh, Acts. It was a turmoil time, and many Jews had been run out of Rome. And these people, were, they were Jews, but they were working among the Gentiles, but they were Jews as well. And there was a lot of upheaval going on. And the early church sincerely believed that Christ could come back any time. He said, go, you all the world and preach the gospel. There was never a time given that he would be back. That's why Jesus says, you know, not the day or the hour of the coming of the Lord. That's why when people start setting dates and times, it's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous because it, it'll never happen because the Lord said, no man knoweth the day nor the hour of the coming of the Son of Man. Somebody say, well, it says day and hour, it doesn't say month or year. Well, go ahead if you want to go that route, but I've seen enough of it in my lifetime to know that nobody knows the day or the hour, the month or the year. It's all in the hands of God. Everybody say praise the Lord. Lord. So Paul in his writings uh, was actually feeling like the early church always felt that Jesus would come back any time. So in his opinion, in his opinion, uh, if you were not married, it'd be better if you just stayed single if you could and you felt like and you wanted to, that'd be the best thing. But if you wanted to get married, it was all right also. So this is what's brought out in the scriptures here, and so I'll—you'll see that as we go along. I want to point out one thing here, this verse 2, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and every woman her own husband. Uh, If you have your Bibles right in there, monogamy, in other words, anti-polygamy, no mix, no multiple wives, no multiple wives, polygamy is multiple wives. Or multiple husbands I don't know of any woman that wants multiple husbands, but I think history shows a lot of men want a bunch of wives you know i uh, I did two uh, two uh, conventions over in Africa, and uh, the country where I was I had a king over them and the king I think the last I heard back then he, I think he had four wives and uh, and he was he was a, he was a king he could have whatever he wanted he could just say or he could order it he was a king. And uh, anyhow the last I heard he had ten wives he had accumulated these wives over the years I guess and I even saw a, a movie uh, watching a movie and they had this story about him having ten wives in the movie about and he was meeting with some diplomat in America and so forth and it was all uh, some Hollywood actors playing the role but I knew all about it because I had been over there and seen it and uh, in, in one of the services there in the church in Babane Swaziland, one of the wives came to one of the services, and, uh, she, uh, and she has a little boy with her that's always taking care of all the little details. Every wife had a little boy, and uh, he would take care, not little, but, you know, good size. He'd take care of all of her details and help her with weights and picking up things and moving things and all this kind of stuff and everything. And when she walked in the door, all the men had to face the walls. And this was required. And she, all the men faced the outside, and she walked in and sat down in the front seat. Now, whoever was speaking could look at her, and she could look at them. And then whenever the men, when she see, the men could look, and they'd always see the back of her head or whatever it was, you know. And then when she got ready to leave, she was the first one out. They all turned and looked face against the wall, and then she walked out. I mean, it was their custom. It was their tradition. It was the way they did it. And uh, this is in the world they have this you know uh i'm just trying to say here and even in the old testament they had some of it and uh, so forth solomon as you know had 700 wives and 300 concubines well they say that's why he was so smart because all them wives would tell him what was going on so we'll leave it we'll leave it with that but i will tell you that jesus did not establish it that way let me have you turn over to matthew Matthew 194, if you'll turn to Matthew 194 with us. And this is what Jesus said. And He answered and said unto them, them being the Pharisees, Sadducees that were trying to bring him all kinds of problems. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning this is God making Adam and Eve. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain, or two, shall be one flesh. It does not say they three shall be one or they four shall be one. They two, they twain, shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twain, that is no more two, but one flesh flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And this is speaking, of course, in marriage. And this is found in most marriage vows, uh, where that, that, that what God has put together, let no man put asunder. And so, uh, marriage is taking the vows of of commitment to each other. You well know that. And so, uh, the Lord is saying here in the second verse, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and every woman have her own husband. I'm going to move on here to the third verse. I want you to look very closely here. Here are some uh, rules for marriage. Everybody got your seatbelt on good and tight now? All right, here we go. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. That's love and affection. And likewise, also the wife unto the husband. All right, it goes on further on. It talks about not uh, exploiting that. And not trying to use that as a as a weapon or a, whatever you want to call it to have your way in a marriage but that man and woman should do, do benevolence and uh, I won't go any further than that I think all of us on here today understand what I'm talking about but a man and a woman should always be in harmony with each other and so forth verse 5 defraud ye not one the other this is what it's referring to as well except except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency, and not uh, of uh, uh, contingency. In other words, the not of contingency is without the self-restraint so that somebody says, oh, well, I'm just going to go find somebody else, blah, 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 so that Satan doesn't tempt you in those kind of things. And then finally, it says in verse 6, but I speak this by permission, notice that, and not by commandment. Now, this is not from the Old Testament that I'm telling you, this is what I prayed about. God has given me the words here to tell you, this is how you should live. Everybody with me? Now, because it says that, some people says, oh, we don't have to follow that because Paul just was giving his own opinion, his own advice. No, no. He said, I speak by permission. Meaning he had prayed about it and sought the Lord and God has said yes You speak this to the church and it's not by commandment of the Old Testament All right, let me uh, move on here Uh, but the thought here simply is uh, Render due benevolence. Amen and uh, look at uh, 7 uh, 10 look down in verse 10 if you have your Bibles Remember now this chapter 7 is marriage and divorce chapter So look at verse 10. And unto the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. Now he's talking about, he's got scripture from the Old Testament he's referring to here. And unto the married I command, not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. Depart from her husband means she leaves him. And it's her way of divorcing him. And then when it speaks about the man divorcing his wife, it's called putting her away. The woman, when when she divorced her husband, is called departing from him. So it says here, and unto the married I command not I but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, verse 11, but if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife, all right? So it's given instructions here that if two couple or if a couple can't get along, and everything and they just absolutely can't live together they fight or whatever they're doing let them separate and they just stay apart and then if they're going to be together with somebody they'll get together again there's an exception to that though and the Bible you know brings all of that out uh, you were over there in the 19th chapter of Matthew a while ago I want you to go back to chapter 19 and uh, I read from 4 through 6 if I go down to verse 9 look at this verse this is first—this uh, is Matthew 19, 9. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another. Now, remember last week I told you that fornication was the act out of wedlock, whether it was single people or married people. In this case, it's a married person. So it says here, if, if, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication— and shall marry another committeth adultery and whosoever marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery so if a man divorces his wife without any grounds except that of adultery or fornication in whichever way you want to say it uh he it has no grounds for it everything uh there are some very extreme situations and extreme, you know things uh, I think in the psychology world, they, they, they have certain words, uh, they use alcohol, abuse, uh, at, I think it's the three A's, adultery, alcohol, and abuse. And they say these three things, I think, can justify a person putting a person away or divorcing a person. Because if somebody beats you up all the time, how are you going to stay with them? You know? But I'm just saying that the Bible here gives, you know, gives that for adultery. And this is the only thing that the Bible points out the other things is difficult that's why it's important that people be careful who they marry and you want to always encourage young people not who they should marry but to always encourage them to seek the face of god and ask god to help them to find the right spouse everybody say praise the lord, praise the lord. amen all right i'm going to move on here uh because it gets a little bit further into some things here uh and he talks about unsaved spouses everybody with me on this now but to the rest I speak uh, I not the Lord if any man hath a wife that believeth not and she be pleased to dwell with him in other words if a woman's married to a guy and he's unsaved and she and he's happy to you know to, to continue to dwell with her uh, let him not put her away. This is, the, this is the, if the wife is not saved. But I speak, I'm going to read that 12th verse again. But to the rest I speak, this is not the Lord. In other words, this is my opinion. This is not coming from the Old Testament now. If any man hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. All right? And the woman which hath in a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband." Now, I read that so that you understand here that the marriage that they have is wholly recognized by God and is a legitimate holy wedding, even when the one of the companions is not saved. And the Bible, is, you know, it brings, it points this out and brings this out. Uh, there are, are people in this church that have unsaved companions, and uh, you love your husband or wife, whichever, and th- that other companion of yours loves you. Praise the Lord. That's a, that's a very holy and that's a, a, a legitimate and wholesome wedding, a marriage. So uh, the Bible's saying here: if the unsaved and you're saved, and the saved choose to live you, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I mean, they're 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 bonafide. Uh, my mother was saved for years before my dad was, and I think this is happening a lot. Of, a lot of you, your husband was saved before your wife. Your wife was saved more than you were before you were. A lot of wives were saved and their husbands eventually came into the church but uh i was the first one in my family to be saved my immediate family to be saved and uh, when i was in bible college in minnesota my mother f- was frantic about it and she prayed every day god keep your hand on my son and in her prayers she she just i mean she prayed and she got pretty close to god when i came home in the summer amen, and started going to church. I took her with me to church, and it wasn't long until she was at the altar praying and speaking in tongues, had the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we started living for God. So she lived for God for a long period of time. But my dad, he worked hard every day on construction work in Miami, and he'd come home, he said, I just want to relax, watch TV, don't bother me about no church, you know, and that's about the way he was. So she'd go to church, she'd say, you want to go with me? He said, no, no, I'm going to stay here and watch TV. This went on for several years. Now, a lot of you can relate to this. And she said to him one day, she said, look, she said, I'm not going to bug you anymore. I'm not going to bother you anymore. But I want you to know anytime, anytime you want to go to church with me, all you have to say is, wait, I'm going to go with you. And I'll wait. If it takes 40 minutes, an hour for you to get dressed to go and we're late at church, that's fine. I'll, I'll wait till you're ready to go. Or if you just tell me I'm going to be ready to, I'm going to, we're going to leave it you know so would be there at church whatever church time so that was the, that was the, and so sure enough sure enough and this was like the, she'd prayed a lot I'd been praying my sister had prayed my two sisters had been praying my brother that my dad would get saved and one night he would watching TV and she started out there and he said wait a minute I'm going to go with you she was in revival she was in revival sister Willie Johnson from West Virginia a woman preacher many of you that's been around a long time remember her and uh sister willie johnson was preaching my dad did not like women preachers didn't believe in them i mean he wasn't even saved himself what what difference does it make he's i don't believe in women preachers he said wait a minute i'm going with you he didn't know who was preaching he went to the revival and lo and behold she preached him to the altar he went to the altar and prayed through and received the baptism of the holy ghost and got saved and glorified Praise the Lord. Went back to work the next day and couldn't lay down the cigarettes. Couldn't lay down the cigarettes. And that's what Brother Pat, your pastor, was telling the other day and everything. And so she came back. and This is how it all really happened. She came back. He came back to church from the next service, which is like Tuesday, from Sunday to Tuesday. He said to her, I got a problem. This is now Sister Willie Johnson, a woman preacher, long white dress down to her ankles, woman preacher. And... He said, Sister Johnson, I've got a problem. I can't give up smoking. I've been smoking today. i just still got the cigarette habit. And I don't know. I just still want a cigarette. Still want cigarettes. She said, you know what's wrong with you, Brother Myers? You got a demon in you. Come up here and I'm going to pray for you and cast out the demon. That's the way she was. He said that he walked up there and she laid one hand on his head and one hand on his throat like that. And she said, she proceeded to cast the demon, the devil out of me, the cigarette demon. And she prayed over me and cast that demon out until he said, I belch a big old belch and it would taste it in my mouth like old tobacco taste. It just came out of his mouth like that. And he said, after that, he never had a desire for a cigarette the rest of his life. The day he passed away, he lived for God, served God and walked with God. But my mother just simply was a good wife to an unsaved husband and said, you know, when you're ready to go to church, I'll go to church. So the Bible says, dwelling with the unsaved companion, many times you win him to the Lord. And uh, so this is what's brought out in the word of God and in the scriptures. And I think that it's a very beautiful thing how God has ordained all that. Praise the Lord. Now, there's another statement that's made in this verse of scripture here, this 14th verse. You're in 714. Look at this closely with me. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Like if one is saved, the other one is not saved. Else were your children unclean. Excuse me. <coughs> but now are they holy. Now listen to me closely on this. You cannot make yourself holy. We cannot—we we can be righteous, but we cannot be holy without the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Ghost is very essential. Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, same thing. Holy, holy Ghost is the old English word for it. Holy Spirit is a more modern term. But we cannot be holy within ourselves without the Holy Spirit inside of us to make us to be holy. The Bible says blessed and holy are they that speak in the Old Testament, the prophets of old. And so, it's required of us that we have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Ghost. Uh, Here it says that your children are holy. Now, many of you, uh, maybe not this age, but there is a younger generation that have the children. Most of you may be grandparents here, maybe some parents, but some grandparents, a lot of grandparents here, I'm sure. But let's say your grandchildren, but uh, the, the children that uh, parents who are saved and will go in the rapture will not be left here they'll not be left here some people worry about that I've even known and read book a book on somewhere that I got somebody gave me one time got a hold of where some people were trying to figure out how to take care of their kids if the rapture took place since they didn't have the Holy Ghost. So they asked some unsaved relatives, would you take care of the kids if the rapture takes place and we go because our parents were... No, no, God doesn't operate like that. God doesn't operate like that. I want you to turn over here to uh, to Revelations chapter 20 if you have your Bibles. Revelations chapter 20 and verse 6. Revelations 20 and 6 and i'll give you our people here a chance to turn to this is over in the end time when the lord begins start wrapping things up revelations chapter 20 and verse 6 all right it says blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection now that's speaking of the church and we could go to chapter 15 of first corinthians which is the resurrection chapter and talk all about the resurrection And the church is the first resurrection jesus christ is will be is the first fruits of the first resurrection he is the first ever to rise from the dead and to remain alive now i know jesus raised people from the dead but they lived out their life and then they passed away and were buried but jesus rose and and was glorified and never to have an earthly body in this fashion ever again but a heavenly body now the bible goes on to say we will have the same thing because of him but it says blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection uh, if you were to look back uh, on the and it goes on to say on such the second death hath no power now look back on the fifth verse but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished this is the first resurrection in verse 6 blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection so what I'm pointing out to you here is that to be in the rapture you have to be in that first resurrection and you have to have the Holy Ghost but your children what about the children they don't have the Holy Ghost i'm talking about the little ones you know they are made holy in your marriage they're made holy by your holy life not in your marriage but the fact they're your children in marriage they are made holy by your holy ghost so if if you are married to an unsaved man if you're a woman you're married, married in your and you are married to an unsaved man your children are still holy because you are and if you the rapture took place that unsaved husband may not go in the rapture, but those children will go in the rapture. Vice versa. Do you understand what we're saying here? I'm just trying to make it real, maybe, maybe simple for you to understand here. But the Lord says, so our children are made holy. And I think this is a consolation for all parents who have ever wondered about this. What about the children if they don't have the Holy Ghost? They, they you know, will they go in the rapture? Well, because you're holy they are now how long does that last until they reach the age of accountability and god begins to deal with them about their own soul salvation and then they have to get saved they have to get right with god and so forth now where that is that's only between between them and god nobody every individual has that particular level i know the jewish people always said the ages of 12 was that age of accountability and they sort of followed that as a as a pattern and so forth, but in reality, I think every child is different. And some children ever see the Holy Ghost five years old. Some children see the Holy Ghost at 14 years old. You know, different type. But whatever the age is, uh, God deals with them at that age. Now, when they get to be teenagers and they're in the pew and their feet's hanging out in the aisle and everything else, you can't say, "Oh, they're going to be saved because I'm saved." No, no, don't do that. You say, "You need to, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You need to be saved. You need to be baptized in water." You understand what I'm saying, parents? Amen. So they're covered under the blood, under the blood for a season, for a period of time. And uh, they are be- saved because you are saved. And that's why the Bible says, so is your children made holy. And also your children are righteous children and they're bonafide children, praise the Lord, because you are a child of God. Amen. Let me move on here. Uh, let me go back to the seventh chapter here. I want to talk to you about it a little further here. But your children are saved. Amen. And this is a very important thing here. And I walk with God knowing that the Lord will also save our children. I want you to look in uh, 20 and 6. Now, this is interesting. I mean, the twenty, the 20th, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm in chapter 7. Look in chapter 7. And... Uh, verse 15 15 is where I want to go all right but if the unbelieving depart now look at this closely this is, we're moving on here where we were but if the unbelieving depart if you're married to uh, an unsaved companion and he says, I don't want to live with you trying to be a holy person let's suppose a woman's got an unsaved husband and he says, I, I just don't live for you I want you to go with me to the bars and drink I want us to go out I want you to wear makeup and I want you to you know, look this way, like this way, that way. I don't like you going to church all the time. And he finds a lot of fault with that. And finally he says, you know what? I'm just not going to stay married like this. Now, what if that should happen? Now, we, we had a case in this church where that really happened. It was a man married to a woman. And wife said, I'm not going to stay married to you if you're going to live for God. She didn't, she didn't want him to live for God. She didn't want him to be Pentecostal. She wanted to, you know, she wanted, she liked a little bit on the wild, the wild side. And so, finally, she left him, everything. He stayed in the church. Now, here's what the Bible says about that. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. In other words, the bondage here is that that person is not under the feeling of guilt. Under the feeling of guilt. They're not guilty. In other words, if the husband and wife says, oh, I'm out of here, I'm going to go do my own thing, and of course you know usually they go find somebody else when they do that uh, they they've committed their adultery and then you're 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 at liberty then to divorce that person if that should happen and i'm not giving nobody any license here because the bible says stay with that unsaved person as much as you possibly can and try hard and you may win them to the lord and if you don't sometimes they're just good husbands or good wives for the rest of your life and, and that's okay too but if they depart The uh, the saved person is not to feel guilty, like I broke our marriage up by living for God. I tried to live for God, and and it broke up our marriage. It wasn't you that broke it up. It was the unsaved companion who was not pleased with your Christian life, your holy life, whatever it was, because you did. And the Bible here says you're not under any bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. In other words, you can have peace in your heart and your soul that I've done everything I know to do. To be a good companion and so my companion has made that decision everybody still with me i told you this book with your seatbelts these are the heavy duty stuff here but god has given us his word amen and then he and then it goes on to say here uh for how or how for what knowest thou o wife Whether thou shalt save thy husband, and I just mentioned this to you a while ago, or how knowest thou, old man, whether thou shalt save thy wife by living with an unsaved companion. If they depart, that's okay, but stay with them if you can, because you never know if you might save them. Praise God. Now, I want you to go to verse 25. Uh, Paul continues to talk about this subject here of marriage, divorce, single women he mentions a lot about single people remaining single like he is because of the times that they were living in let me point this out i want you to look at verse 25 and it says now concerning virgins virgins or daughters or unmarried daughters in a home now concerning virgins unmarried daughters this is referring to I have no commandment of the Lord, but I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. He's fixing to give his opinion here. And for the present distress, and there was a distressful time going on at the time of Paul. We mentioned that to you earlier. I say that it is good for a man so to be. Art thou bound unto a wife? seek not to be loosed art thou loosed from a wife seek not a wife but and if thou marry thou hast not sinned and if a virgin marry that's if you have a daughter and she marries she hath not sinned nevertheless such shall have trouble in the flesh but I spare you in other words they're going to have problems in the flesh if you don't know what getting up in the middle of the night is with a crying baby walking the floor or having to stop along the road and heat up some baby bottles. <laughs> Anybody know what all that stuff is? I mean, there's trouble in the flesh raising children. So he's trying to say here, if you're single, you give all your time, all your energy. You can pray a lot and seek the Lord and walk with God. This is the way Paul looked at it. But if you get married, it's okay. But you're going to have the everyday problems of life more so if you're married. And that's Paul's opinion because he felt like the Lord was coming pretty soon. All right, let me move on here. And he says here, Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Art thou loose from a wife? Seek not a, a wife. But and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, a young, young daughter, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. Now, he goes on to talk about this condition. I'm going to... Uh, Go a little further here. Look at verse 36. This is talking about the unsaved, uh, the unsaved daughter here. But if a man think that he behaveth himself unseemly toward his virgin, his unsaved daughter, if she passed the flower of her age and need so require let him do what he will he sinneth not let them marry in other words if she wants to get married and she's of age let him get married it's okay nevertheless he that standeth steadfast in his heart having no necessity but hath power over his own will and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin or keep his young daughter from marriage he doeth well So that verse 38 explains the whole thing. So then he that giveth her, that's the father who gives her away in marriage, he that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. Praise the Lord. Now, the reason I'm pointing this out to you here is that I don't know if this has ever happened, any of you know about it, but years ago, there were some guys that were running around telling girls and they were making themselves to be the guy here. In verse 36, I'm going to reread this in a moment. They were making themselves to be the guys. And if they fell in love with a girl and they were planning on getting married, they could go ahead and have sex. And it was okay because they were going to get married anyhow. Are you understand what I'm saying? So I'm going to read this 36 verse to you again. This is the way they would point it out to them, And this was an error. They were wrong to do this and they were totally wrong. Verse 36, but if any man think that he behaved himself uncom- uncommonly toward his virgin, his 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 young, his young his wife-to-be, if she pass the flower of her age and needs so require, let him do what he will. He said, if not, let them marry. In other words, as long as they get married, it's okay if he does what he wants to do. Nevertheless, he that stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, keep her a virgin until he get married doeth well. See, in other words, they're they're trying to say this is the man deciding, you know, whether they should have relation before they get married or not. But now the next verse tells you who is really who. Everybody with me? This is important. So then he that giveth her in marriage, this is talking about he that gives her, not he that takes her in marriage. He that giveth her in marriage doeth well, but he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. This is all about a father and his daughter. Everybody with me on that? Do so you ever hear about anybody that ever brings this scripture up and uses that like that? And you say, no, 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 this 38th verse knocks everything you're seeing, knocks it in the head. And the folks, it's amazing how the Bible has its own answers. It has its own answers. Have I lost it? Have I lost you? Are you still with me? Some of you are looking at me really puzzled. <laughs> I'm just telling you, there's all kinds of things out there floating around. And God's given us his word. Praise the Lord. And we walk with him in righteousness and in truth. Amen. All right. Look at verse 39. Everybody's still there. Amen. 39 to 40. This is about widows now. And their husbands have passed on. These are widow women. And this is Paul's writings. And this is Paul's feelings about it. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. Now, he's saying here that if you live for God and you walk with God, and he says here, uh, if your husband dies, you are at liberty to marry whoever you wanted to marry. And this is true because there's some people that says you've got to have one companion and that's it for life. When he or she's gone, you can never marry again. That's not true. When your companion has passed away, that person that's left has a right to marry somebody else. The Bible says only make sure you marry somebody in the Lord. Don't go down to the local bar and try to find some turkey down there and marry him or her. It's because, this is speaking of, uh, of the widows because it says, wives is bound by the law as long as her husband lives it. And everything now paul talks about this also in the seventh chapter of the book of romans but when he talks there he speaks only as law and grace says, as long as the law as long as that was the command as long as he lived she was bound to him but when she died when he died <coughs> she was at marriage she was at liberty to marry another and he was talking about law and grace as long as you had the law of the old Testament. And jesus christ had not come and had not died they lived under the law if you read the gospels very closely you will see that they lived according to the to the law even under the gospels until jesus christ died and rose again that changed everything that's when the gospel then could go into all the world and we're saved by faith and not through and grace through uh, grace and that through faith and not under the law now here in the seventh chapter of first corinthians This is speaking of the actual marriage itself. And I'm going to read these two verses here again. My time is gone. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to marry to whom she will only in the Lord. Then he adds to verse 40. But, and this is Paul's again, his feelings about uh, people getting married because of the times in which they were living. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment. And I think also that I have the spirit of the Lord of God. And of course, he's referring to verse 8 back there in chapter 7, where it says, I'm going to refer back to 7, 8, I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. And this was Paul's opinion about it and everything. Praise God. Now, next week, we're going to go to chapter 8, and it's about uh, idols and eating Meets and so forth so we got some very interesting things. we get off of marriage and divorce if you survive this you can unbuckle your seatbelts now <laughs> praise god but there's a lot of heavy duty stuff in here about how we should live how we should have a married life and so forth and it can be touchy with a lot of people let's stand together worship god and thank him here right now amen praise god jesus we love you this is of course after after salvation you can be married you can be married and divorced over and over and then when you come to the lord you follow the the rules everything else is under the blood jesus we love you god we thank you we praise you we magnify your name we ask you, lord to bless each and every one of us here today be with us go with us bless our morning service touch our lives and hearts god we glorify you for all things in jesus name we pray amen